Hello and welcome back to Mind of Success. I'm your host, Moni Millares, a Mexican-British living in Asia. I work in fintech and build digital banks from scratch. In my years in the industry, I've realized most of us are in a vulnerable financial position. However, building a business can be a catalyst for change. So I created this podcast. It's about business stories we do not talk about. I chat with entrepreneurs, CEOs, and experts about their journeys, struggles, and lessons to extract gems of wisdom and practical tools so that we can thrive and create the impact we want. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show. This week, we have a topic that is not only relevant, but it's important and it is close to everybody's hearts, especially now after the pandemic. And yes, it is numbers, personal finance, but more important, financial freedom. Yep, now I got your attention, right? <laughs> Good. So today we have Julia Gune as a guest. Perfect pronunciation. Perfect. Yes. Yep. <laughs> uh, Julia, she is a private wealth management and financial planner. She's got an impressive career. Like she used to be in asset management, wealth management, investment banking. She worked in, in London, Dublin, Istanbul, worked in the big brands like UBS, Commerce Bank. So, and then, and then she had like a career change. So it, she is really qualified to talk to us about this topic. So Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Moni. Thanks for having me and what a great introduction. Yeah, thank you. Well, it, it is your, it is your trajectory. <laughs> I just like talked about it. <laughs> Lovely, thanks. My pleasure. So let's go into your story, but before we go into the story, um, why, why is financial freedom so relevant these days? I think um, the whole universe or world is going through change. And we're living in the era of like great resignation, as they call. So freedom, I think in general is, is, is a topic now we need to talk and freedom there's no freedom without financial freedom. Mm. You cannot really just, you know, resign you and just, you know, just assume that things are going to fall into place. No, it won't. So freedom comes with the financial freedom. And I think we're in this era of change. And financial freedom, as you say, is becoming more relevant because we realize actually we're going through some sort of health crisis, but it's also wealth crisis because it's, it's totally relevant. You know, people are not able to work. You know, some sectors are really affected. So if you can't adapt, then you're not going to be able to survive and you cannot really avoid change. So we're going through this now. And what else is waiting us around the corner? <sighs> Well, I hope good, I hope good things, not another variant or some sort of uh, something, but let's just hope that it is a good thing and the change is good and that's preparing us for a, a something, a different world and a better world. Yes, I agree with you. I agree. And, and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because, let's say, my personal journey, I've always been confident or overconfident and I've always been like oh yeah if something happens I'll just get another job that was always my mindset until pandemic happens and I was like because of course I live in Malaysia it's not my hometown so something could happen you know like the visa is not renewed or something but when we were in the middle of the pandemic I was like oh if something happens the whole world is in crisis. No one is hiring. It's not like, it's a, how do you get a job? I was like, oh, it really hit me. And I was like, oh, oh, that is not enough. <laughs> Being good at your job is not enough. It is important to reconnect to your money 
Many of us we work in financial services, but our personal finances are not as strong as they should. Many of us. And so it is, yeah, it is a very important topic because just like me, there's many people in that situation that when you lose your job, you're like, oh, it's extreme financial stress. So having said that, tell me about your story. How did you go from investment banker and asset manager to then saying, yeah, I don't want that world. And now I want to become a financial planner and help people with their financial life. Well, I don't know if you've got enough time for my story <laughs> because as I said, I'm that old and <laughs> yeah, I think, um, but it's important because I'm sure there are people who is going through the challenges that I've been through and hopefully that might help them um, yes. to make that transition or uh, deal with the lives up and downs because nothing is, is permanent. Mm -hmm. uh, as I mentioned, change is inevitable. So. Um, at the beginning of the um, introduction, you mentioned about the numbers, and I have always been uh, the nerd, the numbers nerd, uh, when I was little. Um, you know, just I can't learn history. And besides, I wasn't interested. I'm like, yeah, that's gone. You know, the World War One is over. So, but with the numbers, I was always fascinated. Like, I can figure out everything if I can figure out mathematically, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's how my brain works. So maybe it's, is it the left left brain? Yeah, it's still the um, yeah. yeah, so I think I'm more left brain person than being a right brain person. Um, so maths and numbers were my thing. And um, I studied maths. Um, so obviously that was a natural choice for me because I find it easy. As I say, that's a nerd side of me, uh, but I don't only just like numbers. I also like people, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not just a numbers person, but I would like to figure people with and the world with the numbers. That's my way of navigating um, the world. So we all have got different ways of navigating the world. An artist would paint something and I would solve a problem. So that's how my journey, I think, to finance started. So from from learning about numbers, from trying to figure out. So I was quite interested in how can I apply this mathematical knowledge and my understanding of numbers to help people. So that's where my journey started in finance. Um, so I started working in banking um, pretty much after I graduated from uni. Yeah. Um, so I worked in you know, various different departments. You know how it is as a yes. graduate. Yeah. So whatever the job they give you, you just do it. But I always um, worked with client facing roles because I think it's a natural progression. You know, I was listening um, somewhere, put another podcast or something. Oh, how do I listen to somebody else's podcast? But I was. <laughs> uh, so somebody was like saying, Possibly it was your post that you don't choose your passion, but your passion chooses you. Was it your post? I don't remember, but it's a natural progression. And I was always a client facing role as yeah. much as the finance person. So I always worked with people and worked in, in banking. Then I moved to, to Dublin uh, with work. That was a part of my journey because I believe that, um, you know, experiences shapes us. Yes, experiences makes us richer in a way. Yeah. Um, so at the time, it was actually quite a big step for a girl from Istanbul. I'm from Istanbul originally. Yeah. I'm Turkish. And for a girl from Istanbul to move from Istanbul to Dublin is, is a big thing culturally. You know, the society and everything was expecting me to get married and have two and a half kids at that time yeah um, but luckily I am coming from a more open-minded family who supported me to move to Dublin uh, which was great actually it's um, a blessing it's a blessing yeah honestly yeah it so I'm so grateful for my father unfortunately he's not here with us anymore but I'm so grateful for my father's support in that yeah. he said to me to go so I went to Dublin set up my um the, the bank's offices in Dublin as a 20 year old something I was there oh, that's uh, yeah so I was the CEO of a company at the age oh, of 20 something oh, that's cool 
Oh, you, were sent, you were sent from Istanbul to Dublin to open the Dublin office of the bank, basically. Yeah, yeah. And set up and run it. And yeah, and so everything, they, all the regulations, regulators in Dublin and yeah. uh, everything. So that was me, basically. Oh, that is super cool. Didn't know that about you. <laughs> yeah, it was super cool. I even traveled on the, you know, private jets and everything. And I was, yeah, I was 25 or something. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That anyway, is cool. Not, not, not <laughs> to brag, but, you know, <laughs> if cool. I didn't, yeah, if I didn't take that step, step, like, you know, put myself out there, then I wouldn't have you know that kind of experience which was amazing so i worked with amazing people yeah over there. okay i'm going to interrupt you i totally didn't know this about you yeah so i didn't know I, yeah i know humble <laughs> <laughs> oh crazy yeah so you were 25 and this is like well i will not disclose your age i don't know your age but probably this is like more than 20 years ago roughly 20 years ago okay you disclosed no <laughs> disclosed. no 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 it's like rough because like based on my age it has to be like roughly yeah. 20 years ago and then 20 like just think about it like 20 years ago you left Istanbul and then you went to Dublin to start a bank a new yeah. well not a new bank but like to start the expansion office. of a bank yeah the, exactly the office yeah, yeah. And you said like, hey, you were in private jets, you kind of like run back. <laughs> and your family was super supportive of you moving away. Like, and I think that's super important because like you said it kind of like jokey jokey, but uh, when I was like in my mid twenties, I had a lot of pressure, indirect and direct pressure from, I was already in London, but I had a lot of pressure from for getting married and having babies. And I was not that person. So I cannot even imagine that. And that is like, what, 10, 15 years ago? And then it's like, I cannot imagine when you were 25. That was like even more revolutionary. Not revolutionary. Yeah, but it's it like, was. And it I was again, in Turkey. It, it is. And yeah. you were in Turkey. Exactly. Just like yeah. I was in Mexico. It's like, that is against the usual norms. What was going on in your head? Did you ever kind of like think, oh, I'm different. Oh, what if, like, what was your mindset back then to just go for this adventure knowing that you were not following the norm? Um, very, yeah, very good question. Nobody knows what's going on in my head, <laughs> but yeah, now let me tell you, I mean, let's go back to the age thing. And I think that's also quite important to discuss because I believe now that we also have got, that's also the kind of thing, you know, at the age of 25, you get married and, you know, you have two kids at, at the age of 50, which I am, I am 50 now, uh, that you should be looking at, um, you know, care homes and, um, you know, take your pills or something like that. But, you know, I'm also against that kind of, you know, constructs. Age is a social construct and yeah. marriage is an institution. I'm not against it, don't get me wrong. But what was going on in my head is like, I was always a bit rebellious in a way that when I was pretty much, I think I was five or something, you know, which five-year-old girl puts their school uniform take their school back. I wasn't going to school, by the way, my brother was going to school, but I was like, I wanted to go to school. So my parents bought me a uniform and a school bag so that I don't feel left out. Okay. One morning I thought like, you know what, what am I doing at home? It's just boring. Let me just go to school. So I put my uniform on and took the school bag and went to the school on my own without telling anybody um turn up at um, the school gate so I always had a mind of my own like you know five-year-olds cannot leave home without telling their parents obviously it is, this didn't apply to me <laughs> um so what was going on in my head always was like I can do this it never awesome. occurs to me like oh what if that fails uh oh. maybe whether it's right or wrong, but that's how my mind works somehow. Oh, that's amazing. That's a very powerful mindset because fear can be so paralyzing. And then, oh, yeah. And then it's like you are more of a, I can do it. Yeah. And many of it's, us, like, there's like 
it's not only fear, but we doubt ourselves and our abilities. Therefore, it's like the mix of fear and doubt and uncertainty that you're like, oh, and you, you're cautious, which is okay yeah. as well. But uh, it's like everything is okay. Like there's a little bit of everything for everyone. But that mindset is very powerful, especially if you have that since you were. Yeah, I don't know how that happened, but it might be, you know, it's not might be, it probably is. Um, you know, when I was growing up, we had to take care of ourselves. Uh, my brother had some health problems and me and my other brother, we just had to take care of ourselves and we yeah. learned how to take care of ourselves in a way that was a very uh, sad experience, but you just have to turn these negative experiences into empowering ones yeah. uh, so that was what was going on in my head and also I, as I say I think I'm I wouldn't call myself not necessarily rebellious but I really don't like these society's rules and and you know the age and you know all these things I'm and that's how what I'm teaching to my kids as well I'm like if you if you don't agree with something then say it yeah it did it cause me trouble it did cause me a lot of trouble in life <laughs> trust me would i do it differently no awesome and yeah. then now if we like fast track of course you just mentioned your kids like you mm, you yeah. took a career and you got married you did both you built a very successful career in investment banking and then what was that transition between being in corporate and then choosing to leave corporate and going into independent? Yeah. Um, so over there, there's a bit of, again, personal story, but I believe it's okay to share because then again, you know, we're all human and that's a human experience. So uh, when I came to London, the reason why I came to London is that um, I met my husband when I was in Dublin. He was in London, but I was traveling between London and Dublin for work and etc. So I met him through these, this, this period and we decided to get married. And to be honest, I was never so keen about getting married, but I'm a very ambitious person. That was a ticking box exercise for me. Oh. Like I'm, a tw I'm 28, 29, mm, you know, Next tick thing. box. Yeah. So by the time I'm 30, I was married. So that was my ticking box exercise. So it's quite important. You need to know why you're doing something. And I was doing it for the wrong reasons. But anyway, past is past. So I came to London and started working at um, Commerce Bank. It was Dresner at the time. So I joined investment banking. Uh, I love finance. And as I mentioned, I love um, working with people. I was covering Turkish financial institutions while I was at investment banking, doing structured products and etc. But what I am not so good at is the corporate politics. Again, oh, yes. this is about, you know, I cannot be, you know, if even if my life depends on it, I cannot lie. And if I don't like you, you would know this, you know, this morning, I was telling this to my boys and I said I told one of my bosses like I would rather drive an Uber than working for him and you I told said, that to your boss yeah I did and I was fine those I was words asked, I did and I was asked to leave so which is not surprising so I said to boys okay don't oh, say wow. this to your boss <laughs> I, I did you say, say exactly that yeah so I wasn't very good employee I was very good at what I'm what I was doing. Don't get me wrong. I kept being promoted, but I am rubbish like that. But you know what? That is a virtue that you are not a good employee because basically it's like I can say like many times I'm like, I'm a great employee. But if you don't want people to be great employees, you want people to be like great business people within a company. So it is a virtue because I noticed that you were like, oh, I was not a good employee. Actually, that's really good because then you were you kind of like a different way of thinking. Uh, that's true. Like always never fit in the mold, never, um, you know, follow the crowd in a way. And yeah. I think it is powerful. But in a corporate world and not only in a corporate world, in a society in general, we just try to make people the same. 
you know, if you're different, you're just like, mm, she's too much of a problem, mm, whatever. So um, that's the story in, in corporate. I was doing well. I was enjoying my job, as I mentioned. You know, I was in in investment banking, and I and I kept being promoted. You know, until I said like I would rather <laughs> Uber. <laughs> so uh, I think, yeah, I wasn't happy in a way yeah. that well, I was being treated. Uh, yeah, clearly, I, and I made I made it very clear. Yes. Yeah, you so, were not yeah. happy, definitely. Yeah, 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 and. Um, how I left corporate is actually, um, that's again, ticking box exercise. You know, I was coming to 35. Uh, I need to have kids now, you know. Um, it's the conditioning is so strong. As much as you want to go against it, your programming is still there and it's still running the show in a way. So I felt like I really don't like this. There's people over here, you know. Uh, I would go and have some kids and uh, <laughs> I love it how you say it. it's like yeah. yeah it's like I'll just go and have some kids like if it was just like having coffee okay cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah something like that but I think also it was a part of <clears throat> being in a controlling relationship um so um I didn't realize that at the time. It's very, very difficult um, to realize these things because it can be very subtle. And you are in it. Exactly. You're not so, outside and you see no. you're in it and then you stop seeing. Exactly. And you can only see it, as you say, once you're out of that situation. So at the time, I didn't notice. So I went and had my son, my first son. Um, I was around 32, 33. Again, box ticked. Um, but I was a miserable stay-at-home mom. I'm, I'm crap. I don't do coffee mornings. I mean, I don't talk about in-laws. And, you know, it's just, if I don't learn, if I don't grow, then I think it's not only me, but I think it applies to to, to human humans in general, you need to be able to grow, you know? So I was like, oh my God, miserable as F. <laughs> uh, so my son, when my son started going to full-time nursery, I went back to work at UBS. Investment banking and wealth management are more uh, very different. You have worked in banking, you probably know. That investment banking is greedier in a way than wealth management. You know, in wealth management, you still can talk to humans on a human level and you can help them on a human level. Whereas investment banking is more corporate, you know, yeah. tax structures. This, I wasn't too excited okay. about that. Yeah. yeah. I was more in, excited about knowing about people's life. Like, you know, yeah, I've got a son, you know, he's going to go to this university. Can you help us, you know, planning for the uh, fees and we're going to buy a property here. Can you have a look at the options? So I think that was more meaningful for me, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, the wealth management side of it. But then again, I think it was a part of the... Um, controlling relationship that I was in, uh, I was not encouraged to work uh, by my husband, ex-husband now. Yeah. Um, it was like, yeah, why don't you, you know, sit at home, make sure you take care of the kids and, you know, but it's very subtle. It's not like, yeah, yeah just, just stay at home. We like you at home. I, I bought into it, you know, yeah. very... So Daft, yeah, but yeah. So then basically you went back to work and eventually you were like, hey, I like working with people. I've got all these years of experience. And then you decided to go as an independent uh, financial planner. Yeah, before it that, actually, to get here. <laughs> oh yeah, so sorry, I told you. I don't know if you story. have got, yes. uh, yeah, if you have got enough time. But before doing that, so becoming a financial planner, so I uh, trained as a uh, personal transformation coach, and as a neurolinguistic programming practitioner. Basically, it is it was to sort myself out. 
uh, like, you know, what's going on with me? I'm, I'm an ambitious career, career person. What am I doing with these kids at home? And, you know, I got my qualifications. I set up my career coaching business because I wanted to help people who were in my situation that has got a, you know, highly successful career, but then now they have got family and they need to balance it out and how to do that. So that was fascinating for me. So I set up my career coaching business but finally, when I managed to get out of that controlling relationship, I knew that finance is my thing uh, and I'm going to do that. And I requalified again, took my exams to become a qualified investment uh, independent financial advisor. Mm -hmm. Now I set up my own practice and uh, yeah, I'm not looking back. Amazing. Yes. How? Because I do believe like, well, that's my, that's my work you know like finances are so important in our lives most of us we have a lot of stress when it comes to finances so if we move if we start changing gears a little bit and move away from your story and i'll move more into finances and financial freedom what are the biggest mistakes that you see people do that take them away from having strong finances? Um, yeah, very good question. Uh, I think um, lots of people, a lack of knowledge or lack, lack of, of knowledge. Yeah, uh, lack of education um, in, in the finance. Yeah. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't ever get any education about finance at school, do we? No. So I do speak to quite a lot of like young professionals just starting at their career they're like you know they're really good very successful in what they're doing but you know when I say like okay when you do your self-assessment you need to do that and they're like how do I know that you know who teaches that nobody does so I think financial education and understanding finance in a way is powerful. I always say knowledge is power, but not to the degree that we can do this in a very extreme way. Like I sometimes also very say extreme. to my clients, um, I also say to my clients, like if you have got a toothache, you go to a dentist and ask the dentist to sort it out. You don't look at the internet and do some Google search and try and do the filling yourself. So educate yourself but also get um help from professionals yeah if it's necessary so we're not out there to get you <laughs> so there's like unfortunately some sort of like uh, stigma oh, yes. about the yeah. bankers and wealth managers and etc you got to find the right person this is a very personal business so find the right person get some advice um, have an understanding yourself don't bury your head in the sand and the other thing that I see in my clients is like what's the next get rich scheme there is no next get rich scheme and there isn't going to be there isn't one there has never been one you know even Warren Buffett does not have that kind of crystal ball so I will challenge you I will challenge you uh, so now <laughs> okay. that we have crypto and blockchain and nfts and yes. many people believe that that is a way to get rich quick and many maybe some people have done it but which words of caution caution could you tell people that are getting into crypto and nfts and trading in this new era. I'm so glad you brought up that topic. You know how many times that I speak to my clients about crypto and also property. So they are like so interested in crypto. Last year, I was talking to my clients who just wanted to keep their crypto investments and I told them to liquidate a part of it. So the reason why I said is it's very volatile. If you want to have crypto, have like maybe 10% or 20% of your assets. Do not go all in. And yeah, besides, unless, it's a, yeah, unless your risk profile is such that you're like, 
and your age and your everything, you're like, I'll go full in. But uh, I I tend to agree with you on that yeah. one. Don't put like 100% of your eggs no. in one basket. In this case, no. the basket is crypto. Yeah. And uh, also mind the risks, like it's not a regulated sector. Um, so, and if you don't know what you're doing, you can lose your money. Yeah. So is crypto the next get rich scheme? No, it isn't, but it's an asset class. Nevertheless, I wouldn't tell you not to invest. Digital assets are going to be there, understand it. And if you still want to invest, I'm investing in crypto. Don't get me wrong, but how much? Not too much. <laughs> you not go all in. Not all in. Yeah. But even, strategy. When, even, even when you say not too much, like putting, you said like anything between five, 10, even 20%. me, 20% sounds like a lot. <laughs> a lot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm like, that is a lot. So even, even just for anyone who's listening, it's like when it comes to investments, you need to assess your own situation, not because somebody said on a podcast or on Instagram or a YouTube video or a blog or anything that you should put 5% or 20 or 50% of your savings, assets, investments into crypto. That is a very, very personal decision based on your situation. And you need to understand your goals and you need to understand your risks and your appetite for risk and you need to inform yourself and based on that then make a decision what's the right allocation for like who they said like for this asset class that it's crypto absolutely i mean yeah. when you're talking about five percent ten percent twenty percent it all depends on circumstance of course so there are when we are giving advice to the clients we don't for example we cannot advise on crypto because it's not a regulated um asset class but um do i invest in crypto do i know how to do it i do and i do i know how the tax stuff works i do so how we look at um the client situation when we are giving investment advices as you say first we need to understand their attitude to risk you know um and also but that's not the only one you can be so let, let's say we do put clients classified clients from one to five in the risk scale for example you might be five but i won't put that doesn't necessarily mean that i will put all your investments into crypto i also have a look how much you can afford to lose so that's what we call capacity for losses. So there are two things going on at the same time. So it's risk assessment and capacity for losses. For losses, yes. And of course, your goals, you need to be very clear of what, yes. what are you looking I for, yes. Yeah, that's the financial planning, which I will talk about, you know, um, when, yes. when the right time comes. So what is the process that we take our clients? But yeah, in terms of the next get rich schemes, I believe in being having a discipline and sticking with what you know. Yeah, and, and informing yourself as well. Yeah, no, knowledge, education. Yes, yeah. exactly. And getting the right advice as well yeah. from the right people, not from your neighbor who's a crypto you know, millionaire. <laughs> but yeah, the right, right person, the professional, get a professional yeah. advice, yeah. I would say. Yeah, well, I also say like, Crypto, and that's my personal opinion. If your friend, your neighbor, you know, it's getting the results and has put the effort to understand everything, also listen to them, get the perspective, understand their knowledge, where they're coming from, and then gather all this information and then you can make your own decision based on that criteria. So do listen to the neighbor, just don't take everything bad. He said, yeah, no, says, exactly. Like, yeah, like make an informed decision. Make an exactly. informed decision. Yeah. And you are writing a book, right? Yes. Financial freedom. Yes. 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 It's coming this year. Cool. It is cool. coming. Yes. Cool. So is it about basically vehicles to get it into financial freedom? Is it about the planning process or what's the core of the book? Uh, the book is um, called Financially Free Female. Um, so that's mainly aimed at um, empowering women to become financially free. But I think everybody can read it and learn it. 
Uh, I think it's a combination of the things that you mentioned. Um, I think it's about the mistakes I've made uh, and so that people can learn not make these mistakes. Um, also learn how the process works and it is a process. And as I say, you know, I'm a mathematician and that's how my brain works in structures and processes and it's quite important. Um, and also like the mindset of um, becoming financially free. What, and, is, what is that yeah. mindset? What is the mindset? Well, it's a, again, it's a topic, it's so deep, yes, you know. In, uh, in, in three minutes, the five points, <laughs> otherwise yes. we'll speak back for five hours. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's about, I think we're, humans are creatures of habit. Yes. You know, uh, and we also live uh, with a program. Uh, you know, I'm also fascinated about this whole neurolinguistic um, part of things because it's it's fascinating. You know, as as a scientific person as well, like I want to understand the mindset of things, but I also want to understand how the science works. So we live out of our habits, and we also um, have got some set of rules and beliefs that we live our life with. Uh, but these set of rules and beliefs they can be limiting and not empowering. Yeah. And I think awareness is very important to change those. Uh, I sometimes say to my clients, as my friends, I, I need a head transplant, but no, you don't need a head transplant uh, to change your habits and behaviors. You just first need to understand and you can change them to empowering habits and beliefs. Yeah. For example, you can have, um, you know, you can think my thinking was my mindset when it comes to money was I'm good at academics. I can learn everything. I get A stars and everything. Money is for crooks. You know, money oh, is. Yeah. Yeah. Is this true? No. Loads of people who are rich are very ethical. You yes. know, uh, some of them, yes, they aren't. But that's not my domain. I want to know the people who is like really ethical and making a difference for people because with more money, you can make more difference, right? Yeah. So that's the mindset sh shift that you need to work on, your beliefs and also your habits. Are you a saver? Is it a good thing to be a saver? I don't know, not necessarily. You know, are you a spender? You know, or are you a hoarder? You, you holding so tightly you know all of these things i think also prevents people to achieve the financial success that they're looking for yeah. so it also talks about so it's uh, that as habits. well yeah yes and then okay let's assume that we have this a strong mindset when it comes to money we understand how we think about money that's what mindset means in this context it's like what we think when we think money and, and how we judge it or we don't and we use it as empowerment. But in addition to that, of course, like with any discipline, we need to take action. Oh, yes. It's just not thinking. Thinking is like a great part of the equation. But thinking without action, it takes us nowhere. So when it comes to taking action, what is like a, can you share with us like a framework on how to think about how to basically how to have better financial well-being or how to reach financial freedom? Brilliant. No, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, we can talk until the cows come home, they say here. Ah. Uh, there's no cows here, but uh, I think in the past there was. Um, unless you take action. Um, there's, you know, there's no result. You're not going to get results. Actually, um, just before our uh, call, I was going through my notes and there are, you know, I really like sayings and quotes and stuff like that. I don't know who said it, but like, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago and the next time is, is now. So just start where you are. And that's also another saying, like start where you are with what you have. Uh, but the point is start. So um, I was talking about the financial planning process and 
my book also talks about that, but you can also apply this in, in your managing your, your finances. So the first stage that we take our clients is what we call fact find. Fact find is understanding where you are and you would be so shocked like so many people don't know about what they have and where they have it and what's that doing like, oh, I have a pension plan like, you know, um, somewhere and yeah, but what is it investing into? Oh, I don't know. Is it investing into something like, yes. Uh, you know, what's the retirement options? And, you know, you would be shocked, like how many people actually don't know where they are. So the first stage is understand where you are. And the second stage is, as we discuss, you know, what is your attitude to risk? What's your yeah. beliefs around the money? How you came where you are? Because your habits and beliefs. Oh, that is so yeah. important. That is very important. It's not just where you are. But it's like understanding which habits and which beliefs you had, you've been having in the past that got you where you are today. Because otherwise, if we don't see that, then it's very easy just to continue doing the same thing. Exactly. That's and a expect a different result. To explain it. Yes, exactly. That's a beautiful way to, yeah. to articulate it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that's the first stage. So all i think that's again another saying like your best thinking brought you here you know but that thinking is going to take you to the same point next year the year after unless you change something so again awareness and not repeating the same thing and expecting a different result which is the definition of madness but we're not mad here we're all you know clever people and then uh, as you mentioned about attitude to risk understanding your risk attitude you know how much risk you can take and how much you can afford to lose so um we also look at we also um, categorize our clients based on their life stages like you know, you can be nearing the retirement and your financial plan would be different and your investments would be different to someone who is in the what we call accumulation stage in their life. So what life stage you're in? You know, if That's you have important. got a young, it's very important. If you have got a young family, you know, your children, I know how expensive they are. I've got three of them. So um, then you just need to know what life stage you are on. And based on that, you determine your priorities. That's uh, what's, yeah, what's what's important to you, and that's where the I think my coaching work comes into play to understand what's important to you, what are your priorities, what's your values. If education is important to you, maybe you should set up a, a education fund for your kids. Uh, rather than buying them a property. So these are all, um, you know, conversations that we have with our clients. So understand your priorities, understand your values, understand what's important to you. Then the next stage is then we, as you mentioned, set up goals. Yeah. Um, short-term goals and long-term goals. Uh, when I say short-term, in finance, usually short-term is like three to five years um Interesting. for an investment horizon um it's difficult to to plan anything shorter than that if you want to invest yeah. you need to you need to give yeah. it some time for it sometime exactly and to account for all the volatility and the volatility yeah. yeah and then the long term is the retirement planning section then we do the long-term goals and we know where you are we know where you want to go and now we just build a plan around that so that's how our framework works and that's how you can actually apply it to yourself okay that's a very interesting framework i have a follow-up question on that we've been focusing on financial planning as such mm -hmm. and basically based on what we discussed that takes into account that i have a job with a fixed income. Mm -hmm. But then many people want to accelerate that growth because like all that we've been saying, it's like basically you take your income and then you save, you invest, you grow it, you have a plan, you have a strategy. But do you ever talk with your customers about creating an additional stream of income? Or is it more, or the work that you do, is it most on managing your wealth, existing income? Uh, 
mainly managing your income. But for example, I do work with some clients who's going through divorce because unfortunately I've been through divorce and I know how the process works. So you have got one pot and then it's all of a sudden divided into two pots, but people are still holding on to their past and want to live the same lifestyle. Unfortunately, I tell them sometimes the clients need tough love. So does the children. So sometimes I tell them, look, you either increase your income or you reduce your spending. So this is not a rocket science. It's the same as when it comes to weight gain and weight loss. It's a matter of uh, creating a calorie deficit. If yeah. you want to lose weight, you've got to create a calorie deficit. If you want to build wealth, you need to increase your um, um, income or reduce your spending. So That's there a is no analogy. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is very similar, to be honest. You know, wealth management and health management, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, there's no magic wand. You know, yeah, you can go and get liposuction. And I have friends who had, you know, resorted that kind of stuff, but that is not a healthy way of doing it. And so is the finance, so is the building wealth. So, I do tell them, obviously, if you want to increase your income, you either increase your rates, you either get a salary that pays more, or you get a different stream of income. So all of these yeah. are possibility. And I do advise my clients on that because, you know, without a surplus income, you're in there's debt. So much, there's so much debt you can do. And yeah. Yeah. What would be your final remarks for anyone who is in the journey of creating more wealth, not because they want more wealth, but because they want that stability and the safety that it comes with having strong finances? I think uh, possibly two things. The first of all, get your head right around money. You know, look at your money story. What brought you here so far? What doesn't work? What does work? So get your head in the right place about money. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, I believe in discipline big time. And have a discipline. You know, it's like, again, uh, losing weight part because I'm trying to lose weight recently. You know, if you're going to go and have chocolate brownies, you're not going to lose weight. If you're going to go and get two shoes, um, don't get me wrong. I don't tell people not to spend their money, but I'm telling people to have a discipline, stick to a budget, know your numbers and just have self-discipline and stick with it. And then trust me, your wealth is going to grow. That's I think these um, are the two main things. Yes. I, I, I think I'll have to ask another question. <laughs> yeah, go on, go on. Yeah. Oh, that is so easy to say, so difficult to do. Yes. So, yeah, I'm like, yeah, it sounds very sensible, just like losing weight, like you say. It's like, how? How can we change our behavior such that we start? creating that change in our finances so that shows that we stick to the budget such that we do the 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 work when it comes to looking at our numbers um again i think it's um it's a very good question and to be honest unfortunately i don't know all the answers because you know we're not we're never a finished product and it's it's the human psyche is the most difficult thing to understand. Uh, but again, I'm going to come to an analogy about um, losing weight side of things because I'm, I'm fascinated by it's very mindset related and, and both sides are, you know, how much you, you know, the deficits and surpluses and everything. It's just so relatable. Like it's very difficult to do it on your own sometimes. Yeah. Uh, you know, get help, get professional advice. Like you can go to the gym, but if you work with a personal trainer, then you will be fitter in a, in a, in a quicker time. So it's not easy to do all on your own, but prioritize your financial well-being as well as your physical well-being. Oh, I think that's it. Prioritize yeah. your financial well-being. Yeah. So that's what I would say. 
that is the beginning of the change to make it a priority for you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it, the, the Rome is not built in one day. It's a process. That's important uh, because we yeah, tend it's a to process. be very hard on ourselves. So it's more of a, hey, you're starting to make the changes. It's a process. Just make your financial well-being a priority. And if you start taking all these consistent actions, then within a small period of time, you will start seeing that you have structures in place, that now you know your numbers, that you have your budget, that you have your strategy. And over time, you'll be like, oh, oh I got it. You changed your behavior. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not a, um, it's, there's no magic pill. There's no magic wand that nobody has ever can give you. It's a process. Uh, what I would say is, if you might go and spend some money like one day but don't don't beat yourself as you say don't don't be hard on yourself just and also enjoy your money you know there is a book called happy money by ken honda he's a japanese yeah. uh, accountant and i don't know if you know about it but like you know there's this concept of arigato money like be grateful you know all these things don't get me wrong i mean i'm i'm a left-brained person but you know my journey taught me that there is the spiritual side of money as well um so don't be hard on yourself it is a journey and there's no quick it's there's no quick fix but as as i mentioned the the best time to start is now awesome i think that's a (laughs) great way to finish Thank you so much, Julia. It's been very insightful to get to know your story and your mindset and then properly going into such an important area of life that it's like our finances because it is important for every single one of us. Every single one of us. There is no you, yes, you, know race. It's relevant for everyone, especially. It's always been relevant, but today... It is extremely relevant. So, Julia, thank you so much for your energy and your wisdom and your insights. And everyone, hope you enjoyed. Remember to listen to the episode again and pick one item, one action that you can take, one concept, implement it, take it action, and little by little, you'll start seeing the results. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.